Hello everyone, welcome to episode 14 of DevOps Squared. So this week, um, we're, we're talking about recruitment in DevOps. Um, so you may remember uh, quite a while ago now, um, I, I was I was saying, you know, in, in some parts of the industry, there's, you know, as, as I see it, there's uh, a bit of a challenge that you have um, where, you know, I basically, for those of you that don't know, I submitted uh, two CVs um, just from different names. They were exactly the same. Uh, one said that I was a DevOps engineer and one said that I was a, um, a systems engineer or something like that. And um, I, I got completely different answers from the same recruitment agency about what my expected salary should be, even though the content was broadly exactly the same and you know as a hiring manager myself previously I, I've been on the end of trying to hire and, and find good people um, that, that can do roles within a DevOps organization and um, you know quite honestly it's been a real challenge because it's really hard sometimes to find the people that, that stand out um, but I also don't want to um, tie every single recruiter in the world to the same <laughs> to the same kind of vesicate an, an ethos. So, uh, so this week, uh, like I said, we're going to be talking uh, about recruitment in the DevOps space. And uh, pleased to be joined this week uh, by Marcus Scanhill, um, who is the Principal DevOps Consultant with Prism Digital. Um, so first of all, hi, Marcus. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Martin. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, Really, really excited to do my first DevOps podcast. Cool. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for joining us. And you know, just to kick us off, why don't you uh, just tell us a little bit about what you know, what your day-to-day role involves, and um, a little bit about the company that you work for. Yeah, so I've been working as a DevOps headhunter now for about the last four years. Um, market's changed a lot since since I started. Um, Prison Digital is a specialist agency. We just focus on DevOps, SRE, platform, or the other numerous names that seem to seem to have proliferated. Um, we help companies from startups right up to up to 100 companies. Um, we also do a lot of community events in the space, which where we've met a lot of the kind of managers and actually learned a lot about about DevOps itself. Um, so we did London DevOps, which quite a lot of people have been to, about 8,000 members in. In London, and uh, we also do WinOps. The general idea is to bring together engineers from across the spectrum, create collaboration between different companies, spread DevOps principles and ways of working. Um, yeah, across different organisations through speaking events and even some workshops as well. So um, WinOps has kind of turned into a big conference now. Off the back of it, this year it's going to be online. Um, going to be called WinOps Light uh, and yeah, that, that helps to build in the Microsoft community, uh, which is kind of how I met Martin, I guess, um, through some of the people I met through doing our conference, which is interesting. So, yeah, I look to place permanent and contract, contract engineers across DevOps and SRE roles. That's basically what I do. All right, great. Thanks for that. Um, so, you know, one of, one of the first questions that I ask um Everyone that comes on really, and, uh, and I suspect your answer is going to be slightly uh, different, but it's going to be interesting to um, hear what your take on on this is. So, everyone that comes on, uh, you know, I basically ask a, a twofold uh, question, uh, which is, I guess, to start with, what does DevOps mean to you, and 
I guess the second part of that is if I'd have asked you the same question say a couple of years ago, would you have said the same thing? Okay, yeah, fantastic. It's always always interesting to answer this question as I think every organization I've spoken to seems to have a bit of a different approach to how they're implementing DevOps. Um, first and foremost, DevOps is about culture, it's about cultural movement, um, about you know creating goals at a strategic organizational level and getting the organization to work together towards them in an efficient and scalable way um, so the companies can you know retain standards in their software development lifecycle while still going fast. Um, at the engineering level, which I guess most of the kind of vacancies that I would fill would be at, uh, it's around creating kind of collaboration and automation tools um, that define the software delivery lifecycle and provide kind of personal responsibility in the coding process, I guess, um, as well as a lot of feedback loops. We get, you know, New Relic and a lot of these <clears throat> different tool companies uh, selling to us as well about creating kind of feedback and metrics to help refine, you know, how you're doing things and how, I guess, things are being made. Um, make sure there isn't mistakes put into production. Um, yeah, and I guess really other, other part of it, I guess you've got to base it all off cons, but, uh, you know, uh, production testing, automating testing, uh, making sure that we don't get held up at any stage of the process and we keep on, keep on building. Yeah, okay. It's, it's interesting. So, you know, one, one, one of the things I um, uh, talk about quite a lot and, and talk about at events, actually, I remember when we did our uh, uh, our panel at uh, Cloud Expo, um, I think it was on how do we scale DevOps, I think. I think that was the one that we did together. And, mm. I, you know, one, one of the things that a couple of people caught to um me and uh, one of the other panelists at the end and said was that we were really surprised not to hear anything about technology. You know, cause we, we, we talked about process and we talked about culture and, and growing people within that um, DevOps team. And um, it's quite interesting that one of the, you know, one of the things I picked up on for, from you going through that and it's most of the roles that you place are, are generally engineering or technical roles. Um, so, so do you do, do you ever place any one in DevOps roles that are, I guess, non-technical roles? So, you know, thinking more like, then I might call them like a DevOps transformation consultant, architect, or whatever, where the role is more focused on the non-technical aspects of uh, DevOps, or do those generally not really exist in the market? I mean, I've had agile coach roles, which I guess is kind of implementing some of the kind of Campus atmosphere. Mm, yeah. um, wouldn't really be, you know, our cup of tea as much. It would definitely, if I had to answer the what does DevOps mean to you question, you know, when I first started, it would have been DevOps means, you know, CICD pipelines and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, well, now kind of infrastructure as code and containerization and Docker, you know, is basically yeah, yeah. Um, and moving stuff to the cloud. But, uh, no, I think as, as, as you kind of move through the industry more and also you start playing, placing higher level roles, like now as obviously the engineers move through their career and, you know, 
as a, any good recruiter, you should be building long-term relationships, not just kind of filling people in roles. Um, they kind of move up their careers, move into more architecture roles, defining processes. Um, and that's, I guess, where they start to move away from just being, you know, an engineer that does configuration management and, mm. you know, sets up pipelines for people and starts to actually create these organizational processes that in the end, they're kind of similar across quite a few industries, you know, um, yeah. also, yeah, it's obviously built off, you know, factory line processes and everything. And, you know, the, the original way to create any kind of manufactured product. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so I guess, you know, for, for the, the technology industry as a whole, DevOps is, you know, fundamentally changed what we do, you know, in, in, in lots of ways, especially technically. Um, you know, we've, technology is quite used to going through these waves of mass disruption for various things. So, you know, thinking, you know, it feels like a long time ago, but not that far back. There's um, virtualization and then there's cloud and then now, now there's DevOps, which is more and more, and, you know, wonder what the next thing will be on, on top of that. So what, what does that look like in a room? recruitment space is, is DevOps changed recruitment in any way in the past few years? I mean, I think DevOps in terms of the jobs, uh, you know, I think they're much more based around communication, um, you know, than, than a developer job would be, for example. But whether it's changed our industry, how we work, I think that recruitment is already taking on a lot of the kind of same kind of pipeline processes, um, you know, project has like the whole product production line methodology ensure speedy delivery and reliability you know that's a lot of the things that people create uh, complain about in recruitment is you know not reliability of feedback for example yeah. and yeah we do try and make tools that make our processes more efficient you know we have crms with candidate pipelines and the specific recruitment crms and some of them will even automate you know pushing you to give feedback to someone and you have to, you know, click saying, yes, I have given feedback or, mm. um, at each stage of the process. And I, you know, on our CRM anyway, you'll have my name next to the candidate that I've submitted. So someone can say, you know, what did you do? Did you get back to this person? Did you do this? It creates the same kind of personal responsibility as a coder, you know, submitting, um, their code and making sure that it's good. And, uh, I guess the feedback's a little bit more broad, but, you refine the processes. Obviously, if you worked with Canva in the past and they've, you know, said they're amazing at, uh, you know, Java, uh, coding and then they've, you know, been given a Java coding test and then it turned out that they couldn't code in Java at all. You know, you're going to have that in the system as well. So I guess yeah. it is that memory, uh, that, that, that's there, um, which some people love and some people they love so much, I guess. Mm. But, uh, it's useful, definitely. Um, but they definitely make every consultant more culpable. And I think one thing that people kind of forget in DevOps, when you talk about collaboration and everything, I think something that really helps collaboration be good collaboration is this sense of you did this and you should stand behind it, you know? And if you got it wrong, you need to reach out and collaborate with someone else to realize why you got it wrong. So that's it. Yeah, okay. And that, that kind of leads quite nicely into, you know, some of the challenges you, you face recruiting in the DevOps space now. Cause I, you know, I know as a, 
Hamer and Manica. Um, if, if I put a role out there that is for anything to do with DevOps, I, I'm from the recruitment agency that, that we used at the time, you know, I'm, I'm going to get hundreds of CDs mm-hmm. and if that, that's after you guys have, have, I guess, vetted some of them and at least had early conversations to say, are you at least interested? So, you know, for, for some of the roles you, you have out, especially, I, you know, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, stereotype people but i guess ones for the uh, like the big ticket companies that uh, you know like microsoft google amazon facebook you know if you're ever recruiting for any of those large organizations that people really want to work for uh, and they have a high salary you're, you're presumably going to get more and more people <laughs> apply for those whether they're suitable or not because some people just try to look and hope to get through to an interview right and hope they impress in the interview so you know what 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 challenges do you face when you're recruiting for um, specific DevOps roles? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of different things in there. So I'll say the last thing you said was, uh, you know, the amount of applications you get, people chancing their arm. Um, I see this a lot on LinkedIn, people not liking, you know, automation recruitment and automated responses, um, especially from, you know, when you submit your CV. But stuff like Easy Apply on LinkedIn, you know, it's made it so that, you literally get a hundred applications for a role that there aren't, you know, there aren't a hundred people on the market who who are good for this role, you know. Um, and it's probably pretty controversial, but I would say, you know, you've got to give some automated responses to to people who don't look at the job stuff properly, you know. And if you get if you, if you get a salesperson, you know, who doesn't know anything about DevOps, then then. Uh, you know, applying for DevOps, or yeah, I'm going to send an automated email to him. So I'm not going to write mm-hmm. an email explaining that he's a salesperson to, to him. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's not right. Or someone that I can, I can see hasn't had the experience in, in tools. And I hate to make jobs all about tools, but in the end, this is one of the main challenges you find recruiting in DevOps as well is that, um, managers will tell you they're not about tools at all. You don't need a specific tool. Anything in infrastructure as code is fine. Then you send them three CVs with, you know, CloudFormation experience, and they say, but we use Terraform. Like, <laughs> Did you not just say that it was okay? And they're like, oh, but we, it would be really useful to have Terraform, though. And then you, have, yeah. you come back to the spec again, and you say, okay, can we just drill down on this a bit? And it turns out, actually, they really do care that you have not the ex- yeah, sometimes the exact tech stack, sometimes a little bit less. I love to recruit for roles that the managers like, well, I would really like people who understand the concepts behind this and have implemented it in jobs and show the value and deliverables that they created um, in the team. And, you know, whether they manage to, like, scale up the amount of deployments they do a day, for example, isn't easy you know, DevOps deliverable to show, I guess, you know, it's a classic. Mm. Um, or whether you can spin up loads of instances to scale very quickly for a, a B2C site that gets spikes during, you know, Black Monday, um, Black Friday, is it? sorry, I'm not interrupting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think w- one of the challenges is definitely, definitely this kind of need, feel to need to, to have the specific exact tech when what I feel from working with technologists, one of the things I've learned is that they constantly have to learn throughout their careers, which must be 
really hard, you know, um, mm. like always learning new pieces of technology. And so I try not to focus on it, but it's a challenge because in the end, I do know when I see that perfect CV that has used all exactly the same things and even works in the same fields, you know, that they will care and they'll be like, wow, that's, you know, that's perfect. We'd love to know what they were doing over there, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it creates an easy level of conversation, I guess, in the interview as well. Um, but, yeah, the other thing you, you mentioned was uh, in DevOps, you know, you get 100 CVs um, from agencies. And I think that's just basically around not having enough specialist agencies and the way HR processes are going now. It's very based around preferred suppliers lists for bigger companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a specialist agency in DevOps, yeah, okay, you might hire three or four DevOps engineers a year, maybe even 10 if you're a big company like Justy. Um, but most companies will be hiring one or two, most of my good clients, you know. And, yeah, I might not be in touch with them every single month, you know. Like, in the end, they don't want you to be in touch with them every single month. They, they'll reach out to you when they're hiring. You constantly hear this. Um, but the preferred supplies list is very based around generalist recruiters, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you have generalist recruiters doing specialist subjects, they don't know how to screen as well. They don't really yeah. know what the difference between or what the similarities, in fact, is more interesting um, between tools is, you know, knowing that below Shepherd, Chef and Puppet is Ruby, you know, scripting and Blansport, a bit of Python, you can interact with the back end and then say, oh, you know, have you just used the playbooks or, you know, have you actually interacted with it at a deeper level? Um, is something that you're not going to get. So, I mean, I, I always try put forward, you know, three or less CVs to any role I can get on. Um, but when you're then working on a contingent basis with companies, which often it is on a contingent basis in tech, um, it means that, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a bum fight to, uh, to get the CVs that, you know, are easily accessible by other people, whether that's from, LinkedIn recruiter or from job boards or, you know, in, in the end, you've got to submit them. Otherwise, someone else will. Or you've got to have mm. the absolute metal confidence that they're definitely not going to get the job, which, you know, it's quite a quite a ballsy decision to say that anyone definitely won't get a job when they've had some good experience in the end. Everyone's had some good experience. Yeah. You know? whether, it, yeah. whether it fits, you never know. But some people just present themselves badly on their CV and, you know, might have had a bad day and present themselves badly on the phone. So it's very hard to write anyone off completely. Um, so, yeah, I'd say contingent recruitment has its own things. DevOps, um, the lack of understanding from recruiters and from hiring managers in creating their specs um, in, in what they want. And the whole recruitment process is always a, it's a learning process. You know, you learn more and more about the client. And if you have those long-term relationships, uh, with clients, you do end up placing much, much quicker. You know, the second or third time you get given the job because, well, you went through it all the first time and you kind of know know what they're looking for and know what that ever elusive team fit is in the company. You know, whether you want mm. it or not, I think is an interesting discussion itself. You know, culture fit. Maybe you should have more discussion than than fit. You know. Um, sometimes it's good for someone to come in and challenge, uh, but yeah, yeah. those are the main main issues. Mate. 
What do you think, Martin? I mean, you've been a, you've been a manager in multiple places. Yeah, I, I, so I think <laughs> I, I can't help thinking there's a there's a real odd uh, juxtapose in, in you know something you just said there as as well. Um, mm. You know, people in technology, right? We spend all of our careers designing. Oh, so a lot of people have designed, developed, and built um, software and infrastructure. And, you know, whatever it might be, but fundamentally they're all based off requirements. And, and if I, if I had a pound for every time, you know, someone didn't tell me the right requirements and someone in my team went completely mental because of it, it it's then kind of odd that the, the same people that expect those don't give you requirements to go look for the right person. Because <laughs> um, obviously you can't do your job without knowing what I want, basically. You know, and that's, that, that's, sometimes that's going to be why you send person A through instead of person B, because you have or haven't been told something. So, you know, it's, it seems really odd to that as a, as a, you know, hiring managers have that experience by then to hopefully know that requirements are the key to success, um, and, and good requirements at that. And then when it comes to hiring for someone in their team, <laughs> they're really vague about what they want. It just seems like a really odd <laughs> position to be in. Um, but, you, you know, what do, so it's, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because, uh, whenever, whenever I've, Try to hire people in, in DevOps roles. It's, it's interesting. So, uh, likewise, like most people, I mean, earlier on in my uh, DevOps career and, and looking to hire people into those roles, it was all about the tech. You know, I'll be completely honest. It was all yeah. about the tech. Um, but as, as my understandings evolved more and more and, you know, you realize as a manager that if you have the right person, you can teach them stuff like that technology. Um, it's more about speaking to the right person around making sure that they, that, you know, you fit the company's culture that you're trying to foster within that team and making sure that they, they understand what DevOps is and, and what the value is and making sure that they understand what you're trying to achieve and they're on board with it more than the technology. And certainly, um, the, the last set of people I, I hired uh, not, not that long ago, um, I basically was, um, you, you know, getting to interviews and, you know, they'd all come prepared with technical answers and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I made a point of not asking technical questions because it was getting to the point, I think you mentioned it earlier on actually, where, you know, you can teach people technical stuff. It doesn't really, doesn't really matter. I, I want to know what they understand about DevOps as a, a set of processes and as a discipline rather than what they know about Jenkins or Jira or um, Bitbucket or, or GitHub or anything like that. Um, so, so I think, I think that's the kind of thing that we, you know, those, those, those roles do exist and those roles are very important. But I think, you know, this is where I think we start to dilute the, you know, the meaning behind, you know, to, uh, an engineer. And, you know, more of a consultant that will talk to organizations about how to do the transformation of DevOps versus an engineer, which is more involved in the tooling and the automation. And, um, but they still need an understanding of, of the processes and the 
culture and the people aspects of it. So I think that's, you know, I think that's where it blends a bit too much. And that's, I think, as a hiring manager, that's what makes it hard to pick the right person ultimately because, it, you know, the list of tools is, is ridiculous. And, it, you know, I think we're now getting to the point where people are making silly mistakes on, on adverts like that. Um, I, I saw one doing around on LinkedIn the other day. I don't remember who it was. Um, from luckily of what I'm probably be in danger of naming them. <laughs> but I saw I saw an advert um where they were asking um for twelve years Kubernetes experience. <laughs> and it's only it's only been out for six years. Yeah, I saw that as well. I think that got liked from the DevOps gear. I think everyone probably saw it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, hang on a minute. <laughs> Something's not right there. And, and this this is it. And I, I, you know, I think the the list of things that you could potentially know if if you're in an organisation that uses a real diverse tool chain when it comes to DevOps, if you don't go to a specialist recruiter like yourselves, then I think that's where you're in danger of being lost or not believed that you know this long list of stuff, even in the technology industry of recruiters. Because you know there, there used to be a there used to be a time where you would focus on your core skills to get into a technology role, whereas now, you know your your specialism is DevOps and your knowledge of tooling is a lot broader than it used to be. Rather than knowing three or four tools, you may know ten or twelve, and you know whereas if that comes to you, you'd probably think, oh great, there's some things that I can definitely set these up this guy up with or this girl up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go to a generalist recruiter, recruit, they're probably still looking at it and think, wow, you know, they must like be the, you know, jack of all trades, master of none sort of thing. Uh, and that's where, you know, you end up getting put forward to the wrong roles and, and stuff. I, I, I think that's where some of the confusion is, is happening. Cause like you say, I don't think many specialist recruiters like yourself are really, um, in, in place at many organizations. Because of how we recruit these days? Yeah, I think how you recruit is, I think maybe even before that, when reaching out, I think the understanding of why you hire a contractor versus why you hire a perm, you know, um, it's very misunderstood. I think definitely from how recruiters sell it, it's very misunderstood, you know. Um, if you want a specific set of tools and you want someone to deliver on a project, you know, and do it as quickly as possible, and do it right now, then you should get a contractor. They're very good. They, you know, often specialize in specific uh, tool sets, you know, and are really, really good at that and done that maybe for the last 20 contracts, you know, um, and you'll get it done probably in half the time. But if you want to hire a perm person, then you should hire a perm person thinking of the long run. I mean, the tendency in jobs in tech is not great. Um, and I think in DevOps, it's really not great, maybe because the salaries have risen a lot over the past couple of years. But I think also because companies don't see that they have to, in such a high demand market for talent, um, they have to add something to the engineer as well. Um, yeah. Not just get a, get their product tool set, which is kind of almost how you have to sell DevOps engineers in there. Like they have this skill and this skill and this skill. Um, but a contractor, that's fine. You know, do that for a contractor. But for a perm person, it should be this person's, you know, really good communicator. Um, he learns quickly. He's picked up this and this and this tool in the last job. And he may not have used these tools, but they're quite similar. 
And I have much confidence that he will pick it up. And if you actually talk to him, I think you'll find that you'll have a lot of confidence in him too, you know, or in her. Um, so it's, it, it's interesting to see people not hiring, thinking that this person is going to be there in two years' time, three years' time. And I think if that mentality changed, then you might find there's a longer tenancy in technology. Um, and often I get loads and loads of uh, candidates being very frustrated at me saying, you know, um, oh, but AWS and Azure is so similar in the end. And that's one of the things that a lot of companies won't compromise on, you know. No, we want someone using the cloud platform yeah, yeah. that we use. And it's, I think Microsoft and Linux now, it's not really, it's not really a split anymore, is it, um, between yeah. Azure and AWS, you know, it's, everything's cross-platform and it's slowly moving away from having kind of Microsoft and Linux servers generally. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting to see that people would be so, yeah, we have to have AWS. And actually, if you hired someone who didn't know your cloud platform, a lot of the services are the same. They've copied each other. You know? <laughs> uh, and some are better. I've heard GCP has a really good, you know, data analytics tool set and everything. And, you know, Zer uh, is great for charities, probably really good deals for, for, for charities. And, you know, you can put a lot of services in there. And I've also heard that, you know, machine learning um, stuff is pretty, pretty great. Um, and then AWS, the big dog, isn't it? Um, and it has pretty much, it leads on adding new tools and new functionality, really, um, probably probably above others. I mean, you probably know more than me, Martin, but I think you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, you know, Microsoft and Amazon are kind of, both of them are the ones that are up there, and, you know, one thing does the other, one thing doesn't other. <laughs> they catch up with each other and step each other all the time. Um, but, yeah, you know, I could, I could definitely, you know, test that both from personal experience and, from hiring as well, because like my, my area of specialism is obviously Azure as a platform. Now, you know, Azure and AWS are a similar in the fact that they're a cloud platform. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, that's, that's kind of where it ends. You know, I, I could talk about Azure in extremely deep detail when it comes to cloud native technology, uh, doing DevOps on Azure, all, all kinds of different things. I, I've been in um, Azure for a long, long time now uh, and seen it grow as a, as a product to be you know, quite quite far behind where Amazon were to you know, being really up there and it, you know, as an organisation that I work for uh, in Sona, we do um, both AWS and Azure and they both attract um, for us um, huge clients smaller clients and uh, you know massive enterprise clients equally and you know it's not really so much about what platform anymore it's more about the workload I think you know what workload goes where but you know back on back on point it's interesting that I you know I, I can talk a little bit about AWS but I would certainly never apply for an AWS role. Um, because I just I just don't know the detail. Like I could, I I wouldn't feel comfortable personally. I mean, it's just me, but I personally wouldn't feel comfortable porting over assumptions that I would basically be making without knowing the technology stack. 
Um, you know, if it was an Azure role, then fine. They're like, right, yeah, I, I know exactly what we're doing. I know exactly what the technology is. I know exactly what we need to build, how we need to do it. Whereas if that was on AWS, you, you know, other than knowing product names because of what they do and some of them being similar or knowing the, the vice versa of, of different platforms, the different platforms, then, or, or, you know, above that, in, in many areas, I, I'd be, I'd be going straight to the documentation, to be honest. So yeah. I, I personally feel real uncomfortable. Um, and, and, you know, from a hiring point of view, I, that, that would reflect in, in the way I would hire people. If I, you know, if I'm hiring people in an Azure team, I want people that know Azure, um, especially in the, you know, the non-junior roles. If it was a junior role, then, you know, cloud experience is great. And, you know, we can, we can maybe start teaching them Azure and get them, get more in depth on that as a platform as well. But certainly for the more senior roles, I, I wouldn't want people to be learning a new, platform as they go, I'd want them to already know it. That's interesting. I mean, it, you know, we're, we're happy to be, uh, you know, not have a specific CI tool uh, pipeline, you know, or have a specific infrastructure as code, you know, tool or, uh, you know, have used Docker instead of LXC. Mm-hmm. Um, but on cloud platforms, you feel there is definitely something that has to be, because I would have thought that would be another thing that would keep you in the job longer because you're learning something new. Yeah, I think, you know, in the early days, I think that may have floated pretty well, but I think it's now pretty clear that both platforms are here to stay for a very long time. Um, and that they directly compete with each other. Um, but like you say, when it comes to tooling, I mean, that's very different because most tooling works on most platforms. I, I even saw an article on the AWS website the other day about how to do um, deployments in pipelines to AWS accounts on Azure DevOps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Azure DevOps because it's one of the tools I know uh, the best, but, you know, you can, you can deploy to Google, you can deploy to um Amazon, you can deploy to Azure, you can deploy to containers, you can deploy on-premise. It really doesn't matter from that perspective. So, you know, when it comes to some of the tooling, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. But, you know, if I'm, especially for a software engineering role, like if I want people to understand how to write good authentication and authorization um, within a certain application that is going to be in cloud-native technology on Azure, then I'd certainly I'd be much more comfortable with them coming in with that knowledge already rather than having to learn it because sometimes there is just you know so so different either side sometimes it's similar but you know there's little quirks and you don't want those things to create um, holes or instabilities within your product at the end of the day so you say yeah I'm I'm definitely all for so like I say certainly more senior roles I will prefer to hire someone who already knows the platform rather than them at that point in time choose to, you know, cross skill into another area. If they happen to know both to a great level, then then that's fine. But, you know, I won't want, you know, unless they were like, able to pick it up really quickly, I guess I, I wouldn't, you know, I, well, so, so I'd dismiss them. I'd probably speak to them if they were recommended to me to speak to, but, you know, they'd have to, They'd have to be really good, in my opinion, to be able to get through, 
you know, other people with more relative experience to the the whole stack that we're working. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of the kind of the market for finding DevOps engineers, I definitely think that you know, because it's so candidate driven, if you get very stuck on you know one one technology, and I know know multiple engineers who be very loyal to their companies today, three, five, seven years at the same company, and you know it was cutting edge when they started the job, and uh, you know then the newer project started going to newer engineers, you know, um, in the team, and they knew the legacy stack so well that they just kept on working on that, and after a while they kind of fall behind. And uh, it becomes increasingly hard to move away from those jobs. So I definitely think that uh, that's one of the reasons why DevOps engineers tend to move on quite quickly because the tech is just moving on so quickly. You know, when when I first started, um, which is only four years ago, um, in DevOps recruitment, the you know, infrastructure as code wasn't really talked about. Uh, containerization. Orchestration definitely wasn't talked about, you know, um, that much. It was all CI pipelines, cloud platform, and some scripting, please, you know, um, and maybe one or two configuration management tools. Um, and that was that was kind of the skill sets they're looking for. So um, the market having moved on so fast, I think if you don't keep on moving, or in a company that has you know a manager that's really moving on the tech stack or architects that are really looking to keep on innovating the tech stack you can get stuck stuck really far behind and yeah it's interesting to see senior engineer salaries you know they've gone up <laughs> ridiculously uh, high 50 to 60 percent in the last three years probably i mean i wow. remember sitting a senior engineer at 65k, 70k is one of my first placements, and um, I was like, "Oh, that's yeah, that's a good placement. You know, that's a that's a, that's a good salary for a DevOps engineer." And now, you know, you know, I'm, I was ruining people to stay for a job, you know, hundred hundred thousand, and uh, you know, I most of the people were on 105, 110, 120 with stock options on top, you know. Um, so I do think the market's almost overheated um, uh, in terms of people just competing so much. The company's competing so much for talent that they've driven up prices. And now, now when you have a lot of engineers on the market, um, good engineers as well, I think it'll be interesting to see what that does to salary inflation in 2020, 2021, um, mm-hmm. whether so down a bit um, or whether you know, that salary inflation will just move on to new fields. Like, I'm getting more and more requests for DevSecOps engineers, you know, um, and securing the pipelines. Obviously, some of the, the big notable companies, big mistakes in the past couple of years, I guess, Travelax would have been one of the big big security issues. And we were actually yeah. talking about WannaCry on Windows XP and everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's become... A huge thing, especially with GDPR and the huge fines that can be leveraged against you for, for losing data. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see whether the market moves on from DevOps or DevOps becomes part of a newer trend. Um, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, I think. And, um, yeah, I mean, I... I I tend to think at the minute, because a lot of things are still new to a lot of people, I think people are very much driven by the skills reports that come out from various different outlets every year. 
Um, you know, Puppet do the State of DevOps report every year, which is very popular. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've certainly had conversations with clients and colleagues within days of that, <laughs> those reports being released saying, we need to look at this, we need to look at that, you know, can you help with this? Um, you know, those sorts of things. So I think it's really interesting to see where it's going to go in, in the next couple of years because, uh, you know, especially with the move to more remote working, especially at the minute, you know, will, will that stay? Will that change what people do with DevOps roles as that changes the culture of organizations? Will they start to look for different people because of that? You know, it's all up in the air, like, like many things at the, at the minute. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to see where it goes. Now to, you know, to finish on it, probably be remiss of me not to ask this, but for, for anyone that is uh, listening that, is looking for a role, be it in, in DevOps or, or, or not. Um, what, what makes a great CV? You know, what, if you obviously have hundreds of these things to look through, um, in various different formats, all kinds of different, um, stuff on them, fonts, all kinds of different designs, that kind of stuff. So what, what's the, what's the sort of CV that makes it really stand out and makes you stop and, and, and actually have a, you know, a good, good read through it? Yeah, I think uh, I think good good explanation of your recent roles, what you've delivered in them, and being honest about you know what tools you've used day to day, what you maybe have just touched on, um, because if they're looking for specific skills, which often they are, um, then it helps to have the specific skills and what you're actually good at because when you start getting asked questions about the interview or falls down if you didn't actually work on it that much or just your team worked on it um, and the value you created your deliverables I think it's really important um, sounds obvious but avoiding basic errors of spelling and hugely different fonts um, making sure it's like cleanly clearly presented I think this across any any industry not DevOps yeah. but like any CV, just cleanly, clearly presented, nicely, not a crazy, crazy font, you know, um, something that's easy to read and uh, in a normal size, um, yeah, put some stuff in bold if you want to. It can be quite helpful, especially if you're scanning a CV, you know, uh, it can be helpful to see some stuff in bold. Uh, when it gets to the interview stage, if you put loads of tools down, a lot and a lot of tools, I find you can get undermined very quickly. Hiring managers like to ask questions about stuff that they, you know, think that you might not know as much as you're claiming you know about, you know, and yeah. uh, put it all over your CV. It's really going to undermine your your position as an expert, especially if you're going for senior or lead roles, um, but also for juniors, you know, if you're two years into your career and you've got every tool under the sun on there, you're kind of wondering. Mm, you know, something doesn't add up, right? <laughs> something doesn't look right, exactly. And there are some great juniors, they might have great experience, but when you then get asked about all the tools and you'll think it's unlucky, but you get asked about all the tools you haven't used that much instead of the ones you have, well, it's because you've got too many things on there. Um, so maybe just cut it down a little bit. And... It might get you the interviews, but it won't pass you the interviews, you know. Yeah, and yeah. you only want the interviews you're going to get in the end. So um, it's a lot to do with setting the expectation. I think this is what a lot of recruitment is really. is about setting the expectation between sides. Um, so, yeah, in, in that vein, um, if you really like a job, 
Taylor C V to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Don't don't let um, a recruiter just throw your C V out. If you really like the job, say, look, I'm gonna tailor this, I'll get get it back to you, you know, I'm at lunchtime or something as soon as I can. And then maybe you can send it out. And I mean every recruiter will love to hear that in the end, whether internal or external. Um so that's really effective way of making sure you get an interview in jobs that you're really interested in. Um, working closely with recruiters to actually really understand, you know, what what has been told to them in their instead of kind of trying to argue, just saying like, okay, so why do you think that I wouldn't be good for that one? Oh, I see. Okay, they've literally said you have to have these skills. Okay, mm-hmm. do you have ones that are more interested in these ones because these are the ones that I back myself 100 percent on. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. People who don't, you know, engineers that don't talk to me properly, uh, you know, about their experience, I rarely put forward and rarely present very well and won't talk about to the manager in a phone call because I don't have confidence in talking about their experience because they haven't had confidence in talking to me about it. Um, obviously, that's a lot to do with trust, I think, and yeah, um, yeah. Like your day and everything. So um, sometimes you just catch people off guard, but always try to be as open as possible because open and honest is the best approach to any, any job, any CV, anything. Um, I think, you know, if you've had a long background, uh, it's don't go into, you know, jobs from 20 years ago um, in super, super depth. Uh, just put that you're a first line engineer, then a second line engineer, a third line engineer, who you work for. Um, that's that's fine, you know. Um, I think mainly we're interested in stuff from the last kind of last decade or last five years. Really, is the most interesting stuff. Um, it's what you've been using day to day and the most knowledgeable about. But then again, in DevOps, a lot of people want you know developer backgrounds. It's worth putting that you are a developer at some point. Yeah, sure, yeah. Or that you're a business analyst. You know, I've had. Mm jobs where it's been really great because you know they thought they wanted a uh, a jobs manager but in fact they wanted an architect in the end and it was cool they got someone who was kind of a devops architect who also was a bit of a business architect and knew how to structure the data a bit well um, yeah 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 one of the great placement um, in the end who's who's still at the company so yeah i think getting back to the exact things on a cv uh, not misrepresenting yourself as something you're not, um, which sounds very obvious, but a lot of people do. Um, and clear, concise, no mistakes. A lot of managers got to that position by being meticulous on detail. Yeah. And to see people mess up the presentation of themselves, it's like going to an interview with a big bolognese, you know, <laughs> stain on your tie. Um, doesn't look great. It doesn't make you look like yeah. a, it's gonna gonna make no mistakes in production and <laughs> and <make sure> the <laughs> doesn't go down because I mean, that's sort of site reliability, you know. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one thing. Yeah. Okay. And it, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, you 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 say about not misrepresenting yourself. That must be something. That happens all the time. I, I know I've, you know, whether we've gone out direct or, you know, not had that specialist recruiter in place. So you get a plethora of CVs come in where people are misrepresenting themselves. And a lot of them you can look at, can't you, and think, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, let's move on. But every so often you do get someone in for interview that it does transpire, it doesn't really know what they're talking about. And obviously, 
you know, te technology is a small world in itself and recruitment's an even smaller world, I imagine. And, you know, we all go to conferences and, you know, I've, I've certainly been in conversations where, you know, I've met up with some colleagues from, you know, same fields, but a different company. And they've said, oh, you know, I interviewed so-and-so that used to work for you. And, you know, did they do this? It's like, oh, no. <laughs> um and, and you know you get a bad name for it, don't you? I mean, does what? How, you know, <laughs> the risk of making it sound like a a psychiatrist recession. You know, you must feel it represents badly on you as well if you put someone forward to interview, and next thing you know, you're getting a call from the hiring manager that you're working with saying, "What the hell's this?" Badly on me. I'm not going to pass that off on the candidate. I haven't asked enough questions. That is my job. You know, if the hiring manager has taken them straight from, um, you know, applying direct to a direct advert and there's been no screening process in between, then it kind of is what the candidate's. Yeah. But like, if my job is to screen candidates, and I think a lot of candidates don't really get this. That you know, we are there to screen, not just put you forward for the job. Um, especially that's why. People prefer specialist recruiters because they're not going to get 100 CVs. Um, but yeah, I think definitely that that it's it's hard to hard to get people for a piece of paper. You've got to talk to people in the end. And I do find it a shame when I put four candidates and uh, and that I know are good and the manager will turn them down for for x reason of you know one tool because they are really good you would get on well with them if you just had a chat <laughs> yeah 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 okay okay that's good well um yeah th thanks for your time we've run out of time unfortunately actually um uh, so yeah thank thanks for uh, coming to join us um for this week's episode it was really good to hear I guess just what most people will have no idea what goes into a day-to-day -day life of a recruiter and, you know, just, just how much work the good recruiters out there like yourselves put into um, finding great candidates for all, all the hiring managers in the um, industry. So, so yeah, thank you for sharing some of your insights and, and experience in the field. Thanks, Martin. It's a lot of heartache, but a lot of joy as well. <laughs> You kind of go on the journey with with everyone every day, so it's a fun one. Yeah, yeah I bet honestly it's ups and downs <laughs> to say the least sometimes. One hundred percent. Yeah, I always enjoy it there. I think if you like people, it's definitely a definitely a job. And I I really like working with technologists because often often they're very respectful and very straight up with you. And you know when they when they do uh, do come out of their shells sometimes, uh, and best people you know. So. Yeah, yeah, right. Cool. Okay, well, thanks again. And, you know, next week, um, we're actually going to go into uh, some technology um, next week. It's something that we're not really done much um, so far. So next week, uh, I'm going to be talking to uh, Greg of Sutty, who's a Microsoft MVP. Um, but we're going to be talking about uh, DevOps on Azure specifically and, and what we can do with a platform, some of the things that you uh, can't do and you know, we're just going to have a chat around some of the technologies in play and some of the tools that we can use to uh, achieve some of the key things uh, within DevOps. So hopefully you can catch us next week. But until then, thanks everyone again for listening and we'll see you soon.